welcome back to Startup Surrey. This is our final episode of the season. This one is a little bit different than the others because today we are unpacking social entrepreneurship. We'll dive into what social entrepreneurship means and how startups can incorporate social impact into their operations. We'll discuss real social businesses with our very own expert and student business. With me, I've got our expert Aaron. He's an alumni of Surrey with a background in AI. He is now the CTO and co-founder of Audico, an AI voice platform for senior living and hospitality, and the CEO of Halo, a human-centric R&D lab focused on AI and VR. I also have Abby here. She's an award-winning film and television director, producer, writer, and social entrepreneur, and is now finishing a UKRI-funded PhD at the University of Surrey on ethics, voice, and film. She's the co-founder of the social enterprise, Socially Responsible Content, a non-for-profit media agency who aims to change the way marginalized communities and at-risk groups are represented in the media. Welcome to Startup Surrey, guys. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having us. Excited to be here. Yeah, nice to be here. Thank you very much. Well, I would love to know a little bit more about you. I know we just had a bit of an intro, um, but for our listeners that may not know you very well, could you tell me a little bit more about yourselves, your businesses, and what prompted you to start them? Thank you so much for the introduction. SRC is a not-for-profit media agency and social enterprise that aims to change the way marginalized communities and at-risk groups are represented in the media. We work with companies and NGOs on the complex challenges of storytelling and the representation of their beneficiary community. We help our clients build a culture of ethics and transparency around their social interventions. And we do this by designing and managing human-centered, ethical and interdisciplinary content production strategies that really amplify the voices of our clients' beneficiaries in the content creation process. At SRC, we are committed to creating compelling stories, but stories that tackle global challenges through a process that upskills and empowers communities in the content creation style. That's a little bit about us. How about you, Aaron? Very nice. So, hi, my name is Aaron. My background is in lots of different types of technology. So I've worked with um, big corporations before, uh, worked with startups, and I've obviously been part of my own companies as well. Um, and as I said, most of my experience has been in the technology world. My main sort of expertise has always been around artificial intelligence and data science, that sort of stuff. But then how many years ago was it now? Four years ago, I wanted to do something a little bit more creative, even though sort of like through my professional training, it's always been to do with technology and the scientific side of things before all of that, I was much more creative. So I wanted to do something really creative and have an impact in my world, if you like. Um, so I started my own company, uh, one of which is Halo, which I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about uh, through, through this podcast, but then also Audico as well, which is the AI voice platform. So yeah, that's a bit about me. Thank you so much, guys. I love that. And they are all amazing businesses. So I'm so happy that we get to talk about them here today. Um, and the episode is on social entrepreneurship. So for people that may not know what that is, what is it? Is it any different from when people hear the word business? Um, how does it differ? Um, I think for me, I mean, it can mean many different things. Um, the main thing I would say is having a strong sort of mission to help society in some sort of way. So that could be something very small, something very personal, if you like. Um, or it could be something that's really big, like a global challenge that everyone in every country is facing. But I think it's really to be very mission focused and to be to try and solve that that societal issue, really. I love that. I love the idea that, you know, you're placing others 
essentially at the center of your business idea. I mean, I've heard a lot of people bat around the idea of social enterprises as kind of starting a business with the Robin Hood mentality. And I love that because I love the Disney film with the little fox, <laughs> you know, it's kind of really cute. I also love this idea um, because I, I love the idea of lived experience and learned experience coming together in the same place into a business model and kind of pushing towards solving those big challenges, you know, the big questions of our time. So I guess that's what it is for me. I love that. And I love that you kind of touched upon that as well, that it varies what it is um, and it can be really big or it can be smaller, but it comes back to doing it for people and having a mission. So thank you very much. And so going off that, in what ways would you consider yourself a social entrepreneur and what would you see as your main social goals of your businesses? So I'm at the beginning of uh, my journey as a social entrepreneur, but I see myself as a social entrepreneur doing something that is very new. Um, what someone called the other day as trailblazing. Um, I'm calling it slow media at the moment because our approach is really stands in stark contrast to the way I and the co-founder Daniela Rugo have worked before when we've worked in television and film and in the media in the past. You know, it's incredibly fast, that industry. You know, there's quick turnarounds. Exploitation is kind of at the core. You're kind of stealing people's stories for entertainment purposes and for your own gain. And, you know, we just don't think that works anymore. Companies and NGOs are getting called up all the time for green and impact washing. And, you know, we really want to slow things down. Um, our company's approach to content production is a grassroots approach, a community led approach that empowers and upskills communities and, you know, puts ethical practices as a standard practice. And, you know, with our experience across media and international development, we're absolutely the right people to do this. I love that. Aaron? Yeah, so I'll kind of give two answers for the two different businesses that I'm involved with. So with Halo, it's a more sort of general social mission and it's all focused around trying to build technology that's centered around people through my experiences of when i was working in the corporate world the corporate world is good for many different things but i me personally i wasn't feeling like i was actually contributing much to society and i wanted to have a real sort of impact with the technology and with the use cases that i was working on so with halo it was always a case of let's pick use cases and let's work on use cases where it's going to make a real difference to people and we mm -hmm. can tangibly see it. And then with Audico, we work in a few different ver verticals at the moment. So we work in hospitality uh, that includes like venues and hotels, senior living, which has a more social angle to it. And then also at home. So for people that are lonely and isolated at home. So the biggest sort of social mission, if you like, with Audico at the moment is in the senior living space. So to bring stimulation and that human connection between people through AI voice technology. But then also at home where there's a really big problem that we're trying to tackle, which is digital deprivation and loneliness for elderly people who are living on their own or might be isolated. So yeah. That's amazing. And I'd love to know what brought you into the industries that you've chosen to go down and also the customers that you are working with. I think for me, it was just a matter of time, to be honest. Um, obviously, I started in the corporate world. I always knew that I wanted to do something more independent, something a little bit more meaningful, if you like, for me anyway. Um, and it was just a case of when the opportunity came around, it was I wanted to take it. I wanted to take that mm -hmm. risk. Um, and then I guess some of the you mentioned some of the sort of companies and clients that we're working with. So 
With Audico in particular, our biggest, one of our biggest references is the Royal Air Force Association. So obviously they have strong um, links and ties to a lot of people across the UK with the Royal Air Force, but it's, it's an association separate to the RAF, which you automatically become a member of when you join the RAF and when you leave the RAF as well. So when people leave, a lot of the time, you know, they might have partners that might pass away or they might be alone. And so the Royal Air Force Association is there to help those people, either through providing them with accommodation to, to live in, like in a, in a sort of independent living uh, scenario, or if you're living at home, they provide services as well. Um, so that's one of the biggest references that we're working with at the moment, and it's a really, really good one to be working with. Amazing. For SRC, for Danielle and I, it's really working in refugee camps in Lebanon um, that brought our attention to how media narratives really affect the lives of people living at the margins. You know, yes, there is terrible water in these refugee camps, bad water, perhaps these people have no passports, uh, they might be ex-fighters, or we've worked with Syrian refugee women who have fled with their children across the border and find themselves in Palestinian refugee camps in Lebanon. But those media narratives, the stories that are created around them, really, truly, aside from bad water, no passports, mm. no work, they really affect the future. They really affect their ideas of themselves and other people's ideas of, of them, which of course affects employment and whatnot. So I think that that's one side of it is actually understanding how media narratives affect people's lives when they're living at the margins. Mm. And secondly, then when we started to speak to companies, about the representation of marginalized communities. Actually, we got a really great response. And in general, companies and NGOs truly care about the way they represent marginalized communities and at-risk groups. They just don't have an option of how else to do things other than traditional media practices that mm. tend to be quite exploitative. So really for us, it was the bringing together of these two worlds, our media experience, television and film experience, content creation experience with the on the ground international development experience that kind of gave birth to SRC. Amazing. And I think what you touched upon there as well is really cool that you had all this experience and you then took that into something that you noticed that was missing and that should be presented and represented. Um, so I think that's really, really great. I'd love to know for students looking to start their businesses now, what advice would you offer them if they look to integrate more conscious practices into their core strategies, if they're just starting out? I mean, I was thinking about this question. I found it quite hard to answer um, that. I was thinking about how you would advise someone who might not have a social enterprise, you know, who might just have, you know, a standard business. I don't really know. I think that you need to start with what you want to do, what you feel passionately about, because I think that that's then going to be long lasting. You know, mm. I don't know, that might be not having plastic in your office. I mean, this is maybe one mission, you know, not to, to I don't know, organic materials. I don't know. I think you need to start with what you feel passionately about, what your workforce needs are, and then you can find something within that, you know, that helps you to become, I guess, yeah, more conscious or more ethical in your practices. Yeah, I, I completely agree. So, I mean, at the core of any business, you need to be solving a problem. So, and, you know, people might not necessarily have experienced those problems yet or gone and seen those problems yet. So I think it is a case of trying things, exploring, seeing what you're really passionate about, 
So for, uh, to give an example, for me, when it really started to click and when we really got an understanding that we can make a difference in senior living and care homes was when we actually went to go and visit a care home and mm. we were walking around, we were walking around sort of like the normal wards and then the, the sort of high attention wards, if you like. And it was so clear that something could be done. And then it was kind of obvious. It was more a case of we've seen the problem now. Now let's try and shape a solution to fit that problem. So, yeah, I think just getting out there, seeing what you're really passionate about and addressing a problem, really. And do you think that's kind of the same if someone's already started a business, they've already got their problem and then they might not have been a social enterprise, but they want to move in that direction. Do you think it's the same situation there in terms of coming at it from you know the problem you want to solve? And then exploring that more and seeing kind of what angles you can go at it from that point if you then want to move more into being a social enterprise. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think there needs to be sort of like a pressure to sort of like find that social angle. I think if it's going to happen, it will naturally sort of come. So once again, as an example with Audico, we work in different verticals and um, we found those different verticals simply just by talking to people, going out and seeing clients and listening to the problems that people have. So naturally, as you talk to more people, you get more experience, mm. you might just kind of stumble across these things. I think you're so right, Aaron. And also, it just made me think about speaking to the workforce and understanding what the workforce's needs are, because thinking about conscious practices doesn't necessarily mean that you go out and try to solve a world issue there mm. might be something of I don't know, maternity leave in your company or you might have an abundance of mothers for example who need a certain thing or I don't know that might be something within your workforce that you can really change and kind of really think about being pioneering in changing kind of ethical practices within your business not necessarily outside of them I think what you touched upon there is very interesting because I think when people hear the word social enterprise, I think it needs to solve, you know, the biggest problems in the world and they don't even know where to start. But actually what you've just said as well is you can start with the smaller things. And I think that's really important to know because for some people it might just seem unattainable to have a social enterprise because they don't necessarily know where to start or even what it includes. So I think that's really great. Thank just, you. Just um, another point on that as well. I think you touched on it too, is like, just go out and listen to people, listen to what people's problems are. Some of them might not necessarily be associated with social enterprises, but that's really the key. You've got, you've got to listen to your target audience and then shape something around that. It's no good sort of, sort of, I don't know, presenting or building a product based on what you think people want. You need to go and listen to what the actual people want. Mm. I love this line of thought. There's this German filmmaker called Werner Herzog who says something like, you know, to be a good filmmaker, go and work in a car park. You know, go and do something that's really real and, you know, that you have to work long nights on and you meet loads of kooky people who kind mm. of come through who you yeah. would never meet. And you kind of, I think it's lived experience, isn't it? I think lived experience is really important. Lived experience has, has, has yeah, has brought mm. the idea to SRC, essentially. We never would have been able to make it up if we didn't have that lived experience working in refugee camps, for example. So The key word is social, really, isn't it? Yeah. Go out and speak to people, see what their problems go are. Go and work in a car park. <laughs> Amazing. And I would love to know from the two of you what your opinions are on. So do you think there's more of a standard that business are, businesses are held to at the moment? You know, you see the consumers trends, things that are going around. Do you think it's expected by consumers now that um, businesses are conscious and their social enterprises? Or do you think we have quite a long way to go? So I'm kind of divided on this. I think it's a bit of both. I think there is a responsibility for businesses to do the right thing and to provide, you know, an honest and a good service and, you know, 
try and be as ethical and as socially responsible as possible. But then from the consumer's point of view, I think we need to be a bit more intelligent about things. We can't just take things at face value. Mm. We should do our research. We should look into products, where they come from, what materials they have in them. And just to kind of relate it back to you know, my expertise, I guess, in AI, I'm a massive advocate for AI, but I'm also, I also tell people to be cautious with it because, for example, I'm sure everyone's used like ChatGPT and all that sort of stuff. It's great for a lot of things, but if you keep using it for those things, you're eventually going to forget how you did the thing in the first place. Mm. So we just need to be more conscious and more mindful about the decisions that we make as a consumer. But then on the same, in the same train of thought, I think businesses need to give people good options as well. So businesses need to be responsible too. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I, I love that, Aaron, this kind of like two-way thinking about it. I agree that it's, it's something to do with the consumer's responsibility in making their purchase or their engagement and also the company's responsibility i i hold the same idea as well but i mean for me <clears throat> impact and greenwashing is a real thing and i think companies are aware that they cannot keep going on without making radical changes to the way they do things and the way that they present their practices in the media I think that there are NGOs and companies who are genuinely looking to change. The Joseph Roundtree Foundation, for example, have uh, the stigma, um, poverty stigma design team where they're thinking consciously, ethically about how they talk about the stigma of poverty in the media. So people are making conscious changes and moves, huge moves. I think we're in a moment of transformation, a moment of shift. And I think companies and NGOs are becoming more ethically aware, more ethically conscious of how they're doing things and how they affect the lives of, of, of their beneficiaries, essentially, through the way that they're represented in the media. And if someone is starting up a business, because depending on what industry you're in, um, it can be quite costly. And some people may think if I want to be really conscious or if I want to have a social enterprise, um, I'm going to just use the fashion industry as an example. Um, if someone wants to start a brand and be conscious, that can potentially be more expensive, uh, depending on where you go at it and what angle you got it from. So how can someone start a business if they've got limited funds, but they want to maybe not even necessarily be a social enterprise, but just be a more conscious business? Yeah. So as I said before, I think being a, a more conscious or a more you know, socially responsible business can come in many different forms. So I think especially if you take the fashion example as, as, a, as, a, as a scenario, it will be costly to start off with. So maybe it's just more of a case of thinking a bit more outside of the box and trying to have an impact in different social ways. So, for example, the cost of, of sustainable materials might be really high as a small business. But maybe it's more a case of, well, why don't we try and target a specific use case that has more of a social um, sort of responsible uh, tie to it? So, for example, you might be providing clothes for uh, socially deprived families, for example. So I think just trying to think outside the box, it doesn't necessarily mean need to say that um, you're changing your values and morals, but it's just trying to think creatively. Yeah. I love this idea of kind of thinking creatively and thinking out of the box. And I definitely kind of have a hardline response. Um, I think people need to stick to their guns and stick to their principles and stick to their values. I was in a touch with a, a lady called Sam Farrow the other day, and she was fantastic and gave some incredible advice. She said, 
There is strength in having an idea or a way of working, knowing what you want to do and how you want to do it and sticking with it. And clients respect that and they respond to that. And when she said it, I thought, you know, I've been thinking through the services, my services, how I define my services, what I'm going to pitch to clients. And I just thought, no, you go with your gut, you go with your principles, you go with your values, what you believe. And maybe, as you say, that needs to be, that needs to start small. Maybe it's pigeon steps, the costs are too high. Start small incrementally, but stick mm. to your principles, stick to your values. And I do, I do believe there's strength in that. Absolutely. I, I, I definitely agree with that point. I think just some, something to add as well is obviously, if we take the example of the fashion example, once again, um, let's say you want to be 100% sustainable materials to start off with, then I guess you just need to have that expectation that things are going to be really expensive. And therefore, you need to have a good way of either generating revenue to start off with, or you need to have funding to be able to run that business. Because without those two things, it just simply won't work. At the end of the day, it is a business, it needs to make money, it needs to sustain itself. So I guess just being honest and having that expectation as well. If you're gonna if you're gonna stick by those morals, which by all means I think people should, then how does that actually pan out as a business in the early stages? I think that's a really important point as well, that just because you're a social enterprise, I mean, we're setting up as a not-for-profit, but just because we're a not-for-profit, it doesn't mean we're not going to mm. make profit or turn profit. It's just that we do things differently with our profit to a traditional mm. company, like reinvesting in communities, reinvesting in our beneficiaries or reinvesting somehow in a different social enterprise mission. Um, but yeah, I love that. I love that you touched upon that as well, because I think that can be a misconception when someone hears social enterprise that they think, oh, it means charity or it's a different word for that and you might not make a profit. And what you said there as well is it just depends on your business and your business model. Um, I'd love to know if you guys have anything that you want to leave the students with as well. Any words of wisdom? So for me, I would say try and be bold and try and take risks, assuming that, you know, not everyone that listens to this might not necessarily be a student, but everyone's going to be different ages, different stages of their lives. If you are a student, now is the time to take a risk. Um, and even if you're, you know, a master's or a PhD student or you're a recent graduate, you can still take that risk. I think, yeah, that's the biggest piece of advice I would, I would kind of tell anyone. Just be, be brave, take a risk. And if you really feel passionately about something, then go after it. I absolutely agree with Aaron. It's such good advice. But I also think you need to have people around you and you need to find those people because they're not necessarily your family and your friends because they're going to tell you that everything you do is like amazing, you know, and, you know, you need mm. people who fill gaps in your knowledge, people to lift you up. And I really do think it starts inside you as a social entrepreneur. You know, you really do have to dig deep. I think go and get a career coach or go and talk to Kat Mac at Student Enterprise, for example, just kind of open the doors and open the boxes. Because I think that when you do that, when you're more open, when you start having conversations with people, doors open for you. I do believe it. You go out there, you're more open, doors open, opportunities come and you begin to see those opportunities. Um, but I do think it's about being inside, uh, starting inside you and kind of digging deep, having confidence in your ideas, moving towards your ideas but certainly with good people around you to lift you up amazing thank you so much guys and before we wrap it up uh, where can people find you and find your businesses so you can find me on linkedin uh, my name is aaron godwin patel um, you can find my companies on linkedin as well so audico and halo technology lab or you can go to their website so it's audico.co.uk or halotechlab.com 
So you can find me, Abby Weaver, on Instagram and LinkedIn. Um, we will be on social media, so search for us on socially responsible content. Um, also, our website, which I'm going to try and remember, srcgrp.com, so srcgroup.com, and you'll find us there. Perfect. Thank you so much, guys, and thank you for coming on. Thank you thank for having you. us.